excited that y'all are here tonight. I'm excited to be here tonight. We are in week three of our uh, series called Relationship Goals, and we are uh, exploring relationships the way God intended them to be. If I were to be honest with you, I think the church and Christianity has done a really bad job of speaking into this topic of relationships. And so my hope and my prayer through this series is that you will learn uh, God's way of doing relationships. And by learning God's way of doing relationships, it will save you some heartache and some pain and some suffering and some heartbreak down the road. And so uh, we have been basing this series off of this book uh, by Michael Todd called Relationship Goals. That's where we got the name. And if you wish to... Uh, dive in deeper in this topic. I highly recommend this book. He is uh, a fantastic author. He is the pastor of a church out in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Transformation Church. And if reading isn't your thing, he also has an eight-part sermon series on this topic. All you have to do is Google his name and Transformation Church and Relationship Goals, and you will find uh, the eight-part series on this topic. And, and he goes into a lot more than we have covered here. And so I highly recommend that if, if you're interested in this topic. Uh, in week one of this series, we um, didn't actually talk about relationships. We talked about singleness. And we said that you have to, uh, we had the term uh, I before we. And we said that you had to work on yourself. You had to work on yourself and your singleness before you got into relationship. I before we. And the problem, though, is that most people, they are so concerned about being in a we that they forget to work on themselves in the I. And when you fail to do the work on I, your we becomes toxic. When you fail to work on yourself in your time of singleness and work on the toxic traits that you contain when you are single, then you bring all of that into your relationship. Most people think that when they get into a relationship, their problems disappear, but that isn't the case, right? When you get into a relationship, your problems are magnified. And so uh, if, if you don't work on yourself in your time of singleness, then your time of being in a relationship is going to be toxic. And then last week, we talked about purpose. And we looked at Ephesians 2.10 and how we are all created as works of art by God. God created you as a work of art. He gave you your unique skills. He gave you your unique talents. He gave you uh, passion. And he gave all of that to you and crafted you uniquely as a work of art so that you can do the good work that he has prepared for you long ago. And we said that God created us with purpose in mind. And we talked about purpose last week because we also said that if you aren't intentional about your relationships, then being in the wrong relationship has the potential to bring death to your God-given purpose. 
You see, being in a wrong relationship, whether it's a uh, friendship or a uh, dating relationship or marriage or uh, even like a family member or a coworker, if you aren't intentional about your relationships, it has the potential to bring death to your God-given purpose. Don't believe me? Maybe you're striving to be a nurse or a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. And you start dating someone and all of a sudden you get pregnant and have to drop out of school. There is the death of your purpose right there. Or maybe you get tied in with a wrong group of friends and they just tear you down and tear you down and tear you down until your passion disappears. You see, if you aren't intentional about your relationships, it has the potential to bring death to your purpose. The wrong relationship consumes and it consumes and it consumes. It consumes your time, it consumes your energy, it consumes your money, and eventually it will consume your God-given purpose. And so be intentional about your relationships if you aren't offering death to your purpose. So tonight, as we wrap up this series on relationship goals, we are going to be talking about sex. And we're good, I, I know that uh, sex is kind of a taboo subject, but um, as we talk about this topic of sex, I'm going to approach it directly but also delicately. I'm going to approach it directly because I feel like we need it needs to be talked about. The church has skirted around this topic for far too long, and what has happened is it has resulted in Christians and you guys uh, figuring it out on your own and having to look to culture and celebrities and social media for this topic of sex when the Bible actually talks a lot about sex. And so I'm going to speak into this topic directly, but I'm also going to speak into this topic delicately. Because I know that for some of you, there is shame or secrecy involved. And this topic may shed light into an area in your life that you want to keep hidden. And so it is my goal to approach this topic directly but also delicately. Statistically, 50% of you have or are sexually active. Statistically, over 70% of you are actively watching porn. And that doesn't just go for the guys, that's male and female. And so this is an issue that needs to be addressed by the church. And so um, my hope and my prayer is that after today, you'll have a better understanding of the way God meant for sex to be. When I was in sixth grade, I remember I was in computer class and I guess, I don't know if you guys still have, have that, but I'm old. So we had computer class and I remember Drew, he was like the popular kid in the class and, yes. and he, uh, he called me over 
and uh, I I go over and he's in the corner of the of the room and there's like a bunch of computers and there were a bunch of guys surrounding his computer and he was sitting at the computer and he calls me over and so I go over and he has porn on his computer screen and this was like I guess computers were fairly new and so this was before like schools knew about firewalls and all that stuff and so he just had porn on his screen and all these guys were right there around and looking at it and that was my first introduction to pornography you see up until that point I was just kind of like a prepubescent innocent little boy imagine me just like four foot right and um, <laughs> it's funny uh, that was me. And so this was my first introduction to pornography and sex. You see, the church, what I heard from the church was sex was bad and don't have it until you're married. Right? That's all I got from the church. And then I get called over to the screen and I see these images. And the thing is, is my story probably isn't that different from a lot of you guys. If you really think about it, most of everything you know about sex has probably not come from the church or your parents, but it's probably come from other peers, right? The people around you. Uh, it's come from the internet, television shows, social media. And the issue with that is that that is my found that was the foundation of my sexual experience right that is what my sexual experience was built off of was looking at these images on Drew's computer screen in computer class and and often what happens is your first experience with something is what you perceive to be true and so I perceived those images and that to be true about sex. And so part of today's lesson is to kind of break down these preconceived ideas of what sex is. You see, a lot of people especially if you grew up in the church you think sex is bad right because that's what you've been told that's what i was told in church sex is bad don't have it until you're married but that's not the case sex is good right if you have your bibles open up to the very first book of the bible uh genesis and uh starting in chapter one so just open up the very first first uh, page of your bible uh, Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 27. It reads, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God's first command to humanity was not 
don't sin or learn how to pray or go to church. His first command to humanity was be fruitful and multiply. To put that in today's terms, right? God, he created humans, male and female, he created them. And then he blessed them and he said, go have sex. You see, sex isn't a bad thing. Sex is good and it was created by God. God, he created sex to be good. But the issue is the devil has perverted it. You see, God created sex to be good, but culture and the devil has perverted it and made it seem bad. You see, sex in the right context is great. It is good. It is fun. It is pleasurable. It is great. It is God-honoring. But in the wrong context, it has the power to bring death and destruction and pain and suffering. Let me use water as a metaphor, right? So, uh, water, if it is in the right container and it is used in the right way, right? It has the power uh, to bring energy and power to a whole city, right? But that same water, if it isn't contained, if it isn't uh, used for good the way God intended, it has the power to bring death and destruction and pain and suffering. And this is kind of how sex is. You see, sex in the context of marriage, in the right container of marriage, has the power to do good. But outside of that, it seeps into where it's not supposed to go. It will seep into areas of your life that you don't think it will go. And it will bring destruction and pain that often takes years and years to clean up. You see, culture and the devil they would have you say that sex is just merely a physical act, right? Sex is just a physical act meant for fun. There is nothing wrong with casual sex as long as you're practicing safe sex. That's what culture would tell you. But culture and the devil, they are devaluing sex because sex is so much more than just a physical act. You see, sex is more than just a physical act. It is an emotional act, and it is a spiritual act as well. Sex is not only physical, but it is emotional and spiritual as well. You guys look really, really like stiff and anxious and nervous. So um, hopefully I'm not like terrifying you guys. Uh, but yeah, this, uh, yeah, sex is not just a physical act, but it is emotional and spiritual as well. Michael Todd in his book, The, uh, the Relationship Goals, he says that 
Uh, and he says, I have a quote here. He says, there is no separating the sexual and the spiritual. There's no separating the sexual and the spiritual. And this is true. Um, so, sex is not just a merely physical act, but it is an emotional and spiritual act as well. If you look at Genesis, flip over the page to Genesis 2.24, it reads... This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. That word joined right there is more than just like uh, the act, the, the physical act of sex, right? It is meant to be a covenant between the man and the wife, the husband and the wife. Because sex is a, a spiritual act. It is a covenant between two people. You see, in Bible times back in the day, right? It wasn't a wedding ceremony or a... Uh, it wasn't a wedding ceremony or a, like, bridesmaids and groomsmen or a wedding license. It wasn't that that made you married to a person. It was the act of having sex that made you married to that person. There was a covenant that was made when you had sex with a person. Sex is a spiritual act, and God designed it that way. In fact, God designed uh, the church to be his bride. Right? And he made a covenant between himself and the church. And when a man and a wife, they have sex for the first time, a covenant is made. And whenever there is a covenant made, blood is shed. And when a, a man has sex with a woman for the first time, blood is shed. It's like making a covenant with that woman. A covenant is made. And so when you go around having sex, casual sex, and a hook up here or a hook up there, and you're just going around and having sex casually because you just think it's a physical act. It is, in a sense, you are going around and marrying people without the covenant. You are marrying people without the covenant. But culture would say sex is just physical. You have needs that need to be met. But that's not the case. It is emotional and it is physical or spiritual as well. Um, sex is you see, every time you have sex with someone who isn't married, it is you are joined to that person, and it's like you uh, are being ripped apart, right? What, what God has joined together, you are ripping apart when you have sex outside of 
the container or covenant of marriage. And it's kind of like this sheet of paper. You see, I, I have this sheet of paper. I made it blue and pink, right? Male and female. You guys get that, right? Um, and it has been joined together, right? It has been joined together. It is now one. But when you try to rip it apart, right? You see, pieces of you get stuck to the other person. And this is what sex outside of marriage is like. Sex isn't just merely physical. Bits and pieces of you get stuck to your partner. Don't believe me? Still think that sex is just a physical act? How would you feel if someone you were sexually active with a year ago just walked in that door? You'd probably, like, it would tear you up, right? You'd probably get all nervous. Probably get sweaty, hot, right? Because sex isn't just a physical act. It is emotional as well. And every time you have sex outside the covenant of marriage, you are leaving bits and pieces of yourself with that partner. And so we're, we're going to uh, talk about a couple of words that are very uh, church words for a second. Um, the first word is transgression, and uh, the word transgression is the act of doing something wrong, right? Transgression is the act of doing something wrong. And so, uh, for instance, uh, let's say you and your boyfriend or girlfriend are caught up in the moment, and then you have sex, right? You are committing a transgression, right? And you are committing the actual act, and transgressions is the act of committing something. Right? It's on the outside. The other church word that we're going to be looking at is iniquity. Right? And iniquity is more on the inside. Iniquity is when you, uh, let's say you look after, look at someone lustfully. Right? Or have impure thoughts about someone. Or you decide that you're going to uh, log into that porn site and, and watch porn. Right? That's, that's something that happens on the inside of you. And so we're going to look at these two words, transgressions and inequity. And, and do you guys see the difference between the two, right? One is the act of committing something, and then the other is kind of more on the inside, the way you are, right? And, and so we're going to use that, and, but we're going to look at this next first, Isaiah uh, 53, um, Isaiah 53, 5. And it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And I love, love this verse. Because it says that he was wounded. Wounds happen on the outside, right? He was wounded for our transgressions. 
and he was bruised, bruises, they happen on the inside, right, inside of your body, and they appear on the outside, and it says he was bruised for our iniquities. And so what if you've already messed up with this whole sex thing, or looking at pornography thing, or lust thing, or relationship thing? Well, this verse is for you. This verse says that he has taken on your wounds and your transgressions. He has taken on your bruises and your iniquities. And he has a power to cleanse and heal you. That is the good news of Christ. That is the good news of the gospel. You no longer have to feel shame for what you've done in the past. You no longer have to feel guilt for the things that you've done in the past. You no longer have to feel that pain or that heartbrokenness, the little bits of you that were left with this person and this person and this person. Christ has the ability to heal. He has taken on your wounds and your transgressions. He has taken on your bruises, and your iniquities. He has taken all that on himself, and he has the ability to heal. That is the good news of the gospel. So if you're here tonight, and you think, man, I have really messed up this whole relationship thing. Or I have messed up this whole sex thing. You have the opportunity to surrender your life to Christ, including your sexuality. You have the opportunity to draw a line in the sand and say, from here on out, I am surrendering all of myself to you, Christ, including my sexuality, so that you can take on my transgressions, and take on my iniquities, and so that I can be healed. So if that is you tonight, come find me. I would love to talk to you on how to make that happen. If you have any spiritual needs or prayer requests, as we sing this next song, I'm going to be in the, I'll be down these stairs in the study study room um, able to pray for you if you decided tonight that you want to give your whole life and surrender your life to Christ that is good news and we'd love to talk to you on how to make that happen find me or another student leader and we can, we can make that happen for you tonight And so my prayer and my hope as we wrap up this series is that not only will you approach relationships in a godly way, but that you will be healed, the shame you feel, and the guilt you feel, and the pain that you feel will be cast onto Christ, and he will heal you as a result.
Please stand as we sing this next. <laughs>